Welcome to Future Insiders, a podcast about the future of tech, business, and humanity. This week, your host, Kathy Hackle, speaks with Alvaro Cedeno, the founder of Perfectible. In this episode, he discusses the future of leadership and corporate narratives. So let's go ahead and get started. Here's your host, Kathy Hackle. Right, so welcome to Future Insiders. Today, I'm actually joined by my friend Alvaro Cedeno, the founder of Perfectible. And Perfectible is a company specializing in narratives. And we're going to be talking about the future of the leadership narrative and the future of the corporate narrative and the future of narratives in general. Uh, but before we do, I do want to kind of uh, allow Alvaro to introduce himself in his web background. I want to share with everyone listening about, listening to the podcast that Alvaro and I actually go way back. Um, so Alvaro used to, used to be my brother's classmate back in school in Costa Rica, you know, <laughs> many, many, many moons ago. Uh, so Alvaro knows me since I was a little girl, which is really funny. And we, we recently reconnected uh, after many years because of Singularity University Costa Rica. So Alvaro, welcome to Future Insiders. Hi, Kathy. Thank you very much. And I'm really pleased to be here uh, sharing a little bit of what we think might be the future of narratives uh, for, for all of us. Yeah, and I'm really excited about the work you're doing with Perfectible. Um, maybe tell folks a little bit about, you know, your route. Like, how did you get to where you are right now with Perfectible and where you're going? Because I think you have a really interesting story. Okay, well, I think the, the, the shorter version of that story is that the last 12 years I served as a diplomat for the Costa Rican government. And uh, acting as a diplomat, especially as an ambassador, you have to deliver multiple episodes uh, of a story to tell others about your country. And in that process, you have to build episode over episode in a way that is, well, fact-based, of course, consistent with reality, consistent with the political vision, uh, and that also uh, awakens engagement in others. Because especially when you're dealing with multilateral diplomacy, you are forging constantly uh, coalitions of countries to achieve multiple things uh, in multiple directions. So these 12 years, I probably designed, I don't know, 600 episodes of uh, the narrative of Costa Rica. So when I came back to Costa Rica after retiring, retiring from the uh, Foreign Service last year, I realized that many organizations and the government included were in a crisis of narrative. And in fact, I think the crisis of narrative is one of the eight crises that have converged in this 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. And just to, just to point them out quickly, sanitary, economic, climate, biodiversity, energy, politics, vision, and number eight is narrative. So if we run out of stories to tell each other, it means that we have no collective vision to pursue. So a, a good friend and I got together in early, early in the year, I think right at, right at the turn of when the pandemic started and said, let's, let's try to help organizations and people figure out ways to move forward through uh, strategic narrative design. And we started doing it and we realized that it had a very interesting appeal to different uh, organizations in the way they were 
addressing the uh, uncertainty that the pandemic brought to everybody. And uh, it also brought some sort of myopia about how did you see yourself and your organization three or five years down the road? So when you bring into the fore the, the climate change conversation, the fourth industrial revolution conversation, and you try to build up the profile of the kind of leader you need, you definitely require a narrative to make this a cohesive product. So that's what we've been doing since March, and it's been such an exciting journey. And that's really exciting. So it's interesting that you mentioned that part of your roots uh, on, on why you're working on narratives comes from your time being a diplomat. I, I grew up the daughter of a diplomat, which you know very well. Um, you, you know, you, you know my dad very well. Um, and narratives were always at the center of a lot of the work he did. So I completely understand what you're saying. I never really thought about it that way. So so thank you for that. Um, but I also want to bring it not so much to my dad, but I want to think about my son. So yesterday my son had homework and he said, mom, I've got to write a personal narrative about my first communion. And I was like, that's really interesting. Um, so I sat down with him, we wrote it. And there's so much to a narrative and to a story to make it effective. And, you know, I think people hear narrative and they think, you know, a story, a school assignment. But in reality, what you are working on is, is kind of shaping that, you know, shaping leadership and shaping even how, uh, how different countries can cooperate in climate change. So maybe let's talk a little bit more about the work you're doing specifically when it comes to biodiversity, well-being, um, you know, fighting climate change, because I know that that's something that you're very passionate about when it comes to your personal work in, in narrative and beyond. Okay, well, I, I think that uh, another element in the narrative design uh, uh, part of my story comes with bioliteracy or the ability to speak the language of life. And this was born uh, to me when uh, the National Biodiversity Institute was created in Costa Rica more than 30 years ago. Uh, and th this was an NGO that was created with the sole purpose of classifying every single living organism that could be found in Costa Rican territory. Uh, of course, a, a few years into this mission, they realized that it was almost an impossible task because there are yeah. millions and millions and living, of, living, of different living organisms in Costa Rica. But still, they, they took on this challenge. And my father uh, was, at the time, their strategic consultant. Uh, so he would come back home on Wednesdays after having a day, a, a day in the field with all the the big brains and the scientists, and he would be very enthused about all the wonders of nature that he didn't know existed or happened. So since then, I started growing very fond of, um, of, of, of biology and nature and biomimicry, the ability to replicate how nature behaves and bring that into human organizations, even human technology, even though I am not a technologist per se. But I do believe that this, uh, this element of biology is extremely important in the narrative that we use to move forward into the future. Um, if you think about, well, the singularity, uh, the point where biology and technology are going to converge, um, I, I also think that could be another way of saying a sixth industrial revolution once we go deeper into 5G, which I believe would be the fifth, um, and it's going to allow us to replicate some of nature's wisdom 
into technology so that technology is also uh, in a way regenerative and uh, circular in the way it operates. So all these, all these elements of language have been brought into a conversation because every single human being and every single organization has to play a role in, well, in, in let's say, in, in engaging in climate action. But at the same time, it, every one of us is being affected by, by what's happening in the world in terms of the planetary crisis that we're in. So what I think we need and this is what we're doing this year mostly, is sharing several tools to organization leaders so that they can come up with their own stories about what role they're going to play once they understand that they're in the presence of two major forces. One is nature and the other one is technology and how we, how we harness them for good for themselves and for everybody, right? Yeah. And um, would you say you consider yourself a narrative futurist? I mean, I know you said you're not a technologist per se, but um, you obviously explore a lot of uh, a lot of things when it comes to technology and, you know, and, and, and biodiversity. But I mean, would you consider yourself a narrative futurist? It's funny that you mentioned uh, every time I've done uh, one of these uh, strengths finder tests, uh, futurism is not one of my top key strengths but it's usually hanging high in the in the in the following five i i have been reading books about futures and technologies since i was an adolescent maybe since since 30 years back as well um i would not call myself a futurist but i do know for sure that the last 10,000 years we've managed to move forward when we've been able to pursue others to come together to try to get to a, to a future that we have only imagined. So if we are able to imagine a future and we are able to pers persuade others to come along with us in that direction, then yes, I think that the future of humanity lies very strongly on our ability to, to, to design narratives. Yeah, and, I, and it, that's, it, it's so interesting because I was having this conversation the other day with, with uh, someone that works on narratives as well. We we're talking about what happens to the narrative uh, when the narrative is around us, right? Obviously, you know, I work in VR and AR and that's kind of my language. Um, so I think about what happens with stories when we see them through our glasses, right? So have you, have you thought about a little bit about how the narrative will change, if at all? once we're wearing augmented reality glasses? I, I think there is something interesting that I wanted to share with you today, Kathy, and it is something that I perceive as the technology paradox. Maybe there are many technology paradoxes, but one that I observe is that while we are in a crisis of imagination right now, uh, and maybe this crisis of imagination has to do with the fact that technology gives us a limited universe for us to work with or play with. Um, at the same time, technology allows us to visualize and experience things that don't yet exist. And we experience those things in a very vivid manner. So uh, how do we figure out this paradox between having access to technology, but stimulating our imagination without it? so that then we can bring our imagination into technology so that technology can take us farther into our future. Um, and I, I think that when we, when we 
when we use virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, well, mixed reality, all, all of these technological tools to see futures that are not here, but are very tangible. Uh, we are in the presence of a very important force that can be used for multiple purposes that can help us move forward. And that's, that's, uh, that's a fact. Now, how do we use this in order to, to learn better, to be more effective at learning, to be more effective at healing, to be more effective at being in contact with our well-being? Uh, like if, if, if virtual reality would allow us to see a world in which we are better in many different ways, then could we also achieve the same things offline? And I think that would be the ultimate purpose of virtual reality, to make us better offline. Yeah, I love what you're saying because as a futurist, part of the work I'm trying to do right now is merge uh, you know, te emerging technologies like AR and VR with strategic foresight to take long-term um, strategic planning and scenario planning to the next level. Uh, because right now, a lot of the times when US of Futures present a project, you present it, you know, it could be a written report or it could be a tabletop game or it could be a nice, you know, nice PowerPoint. But if you actually get to put people inside VR to show them these are four potential, you know, four possible futures, I think it is extremely powerful. It can really lead to, you know, people making uh, decisions in a totally different way towards a more preferred future, right? If we want to live in this future that we're putting you in in VR, how do we get there? So, um, so I, I think what you're saying is extremely powerful. Um, in, in your point of view, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in the next, let's say, three to five years when it comes to, uh, to narratives and leadership? What would you like to see or, or what are things that you're thinking through? I would like to see uh, a, a, better, a better communication between public and private leaders. Uh, because there is a there is a fundamental disconnect uh, in both realms, and this fundamental disconnect derives from the fact that public service is has multiple legal constraints uh, in the form of the what we call uh, the principle of legality, and this means that if you're a public officer or a public leader you are mandated by law to do a number of things that are on a list. And if you don't do them, then you're committing a crime. But you cannot do another host of things that you could do just because the law doesn't mandate you to. While in the private sector, we can do everything that is not forbidden. So when we as private officers judge public officers, we don't understand that they have different constraints. And it would be very important that we understand each other better so that we can be more able to build public-private partnerships. And these public-private partnerships should be forged for people, planet, and purpose. So that, those are my six Ps. Yeah. Public-private partnerships for people, planet, and purpose in a way that we are able to tackle the most pressing global issues of the time because they cannot be done alone by the public sector and they cannot be done alone by the private sector. So we need each other. And in that regard, the kind of leader that we want to train or, or coach is a kind of leader that is better suited for public service. But this doesn't mean public office necessarily. It's not mm -hmm. only for 
government officials, is for anyone that wants to have a positive impact in the common good. Yeah, I mean, in public service, I mean, that's such a broad term. You're right. I mean, it could be nonprofits, it could be education, it could be so many, so many different sectors. Um, so, Alvaro, we are getting, uh, you know, towards the end of our time together. So uh, I do want to kind of uh, give you a chance to chat a little bit about maybe something you've seen uh, technology wise or a piece of news or or something that you're excited about related to the future right we this is a future focused podcast so um, so you know what what is what is something you're excited about and how uh, and how can folks reach out to you uh, you know after after the podcast okay well um, right now I am collaborating with a group of people it's actually one of these alliances between a Costa Rican tech company and an American documentary company and they're working together on creating virtual reality samples of cultural elements for the National Museum here in Costa Rica and this is a pilot project but I'm very confident that this is going to change forever and I underline the word forever the way citizens and especially children engage with our history and with our culture because uh, well not everyone has the opportunity of going to a museum but with this effort we're actually creating virtual reality samples of technology that are going to be able to be uh, seen and appreciated by people at home or on their mobiles and this is bringing culture to the people instead of people to the culture, you know? So I am really, really excited about what's happening. I cannot tell you a lot about it, but in three weeks time, we're going to have the first, uh, the first of these pilots out. And hopefully next year that Costa Rica is celebrating 200 years of independent and sovereign life as a Republic, we're going to be producing many more. So uh, yeah, super exciting. You can reach me, well, on social media. Uh, Twitter is a good way to do it. Alvar Sidane, that's A-L-V-A-R-C-I-D-A-N-E. But also LinkedIn, uh, Alvaro Sedeño on LinkedIn. You can find me there. I'll be happy to connect and explore other avenues. Yeah, and I'll definitely be including links to your Twitter and your LinkedIn in the show in the show notes. Uh, so definitely look at that. And I, I, you know, I feel very privileged, Alvaro, because I feel that through my podcast, I'm able to amplify voices of incredibly brilliant people like you uh, that you know that you know that I think more people need to hear from and more people need to discover. So I'm excited to have my you know my community discover your thoughts. And to me, every time I talk to you, you're just wise beyond your years, Alvaro. Like I hang on to every word you say. So, uh, you know, you're kind of like my Steve Jobs here or something. I don't even know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely love every single word you say and how you say it. So thank you for being on Future Insiders. This has been a true treat for me. Thank you very much. I loved having this conversation and I hope we can have another one sometime in the future. Thank you for listening to Future Insiders. I hope you'll join Kathy for more interviews about the future. And don't forget, subscribe and be sure to tell a friend about the podcast.